Welcome to the Land and Blast podcast. I'm Sam Terrell. And I'm Chris Martin. And today we're talking about Chris's trip to Alaska. Oh boy. How you doing? Are you recovering? You know, it's been a few weeks. Is that it, long enough? I, I no. <laughs> How are your feet doing? Oh man, I, I was not prepared for the amount of wet and just the amount of, you know, Everybody talks about tundra yeah. and tussocks and all these different things. And they always have this super foul tone in their voice. Well, now I completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> I have no experience with any of that. So is it just sopping wet the entire time? With a few exceptions, but there's water everywhere. There are springs everywhere. That's crazy. Like, there's so much, you know, so much snow that just melted off. You got to remember like the tundra was just like a glacier for like whatever it is, many months out of the year. Yeah. And it just melted, like, within the last month, two months when, when you get there. It sounds like a bog or something, just, like, mushy. Some areas, 100%. Like, we would walk for a mile in this much water. Oh, that sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think my feet were racked? Right. Oh, man. Those boots look good, though. These are new. We'll talk about why I'm wearing new boots, breaking those in. Fair enough. So, so like, just out of curiosity, how did you end up going to Alaska in the first place? So, honestly, Alaska was, like, in my mind on this, like, far out bucket list. Like, I kind of pictured that's, like, was going to be, like, a 10-year down the road yeah. adventure. And then uh, Mike, uh, the friend of mine who I got an opportunity to go with, um, he uh, he called me up out of the blue and he'd done it a couple times and we've been talking we've hunted together a little bit and pretty good friends in the real estate world pretty good friends in some of the ministry stuff we've both been involved in he's just like do you want to go to alaska and this was after i had my trip that i'm going to leave on here in a few days planned my idaho trip i had several other things it's all set in stone docket. and he goes well i take off for a week to alaska in august and i looked at the calendar and i'm like technically i can't <laughs> i'm like i'll talk to my wife and I'll get back to you. But I'm like, oh man, I do not want to miss this opportunity. Like this is, wasn't, well, it wasn't on my radar, yeah. but it landed on my radar. And talked to my wife, she's like, well, that's a pretty unique opportunity. I think you should probably do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just something that, uh, you know, I just got more and more excited about. Like the second I heard about it, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be, going to be a whole new experience. I've never been to Alaska. I've never even been out of the lower 48 at all, really. Yeah. I'm like, you know, my vacations are to the middle of nowhere, but in the Northwest. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't even have my passport yet. Don't, don't make too much fun of me. <laughs> We're going to get you out of the country pretty soon. <laughs> Working on. So, and had Mike, Mike's been up there before, right? So he'd worked up there when he was younger. Okay. In the fish, commercial fishing world. And he'd hunted up there several times, um, you know, doing different, I think it was mostly caribou. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he had been up there last year as well. And he'd killed one with his bow. By himself? No, it was, I think it was with, last year was with a pretty good sized group of guys. Okay. Um, I think one of his frustrations from his previous year was that the guys didn't really, like they would hike some, but it was a, a lot of, in a, in a lot of ways it was a road hunt. And that wasn't, neither one of us were that excited about making a road. We wanted it to be an adventure. Sure. So and it sounds like it kind of turned into that. We're going to talk about it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so we did an episode called train to hunt yep. not too long ago mm -hmm. and we went through everything that you were doing both on the mental side and the physical side and then the gear side yeah and so just in broad strokes how how did your expectations change from what you thought it was going to be as a first time hunter in alaska to now an experienced hunter having just returned from this trip that's a good question i think <laughs> 
in simple terms, I would say it was wetter and colder than I expected. So it was mentally harder in those regards, Yeah. but physically easier, but only a little bit easier. Okay. Like I expected it to be hard physically on my legs, on my back, carrying loads, everything. Um, and it was hard, but I was pretty prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for the wet and the cold the way that maybe I could have been. Okay. It was August. Yeah. And the forecasts were for pretty balmy conditions. <laughs> it was not for the first few days we were there. So. So this, and this is for you guys watching and listening. This is my first download of the mm. full trip details. Yeah. I mean. Well, honestly, I haven't really shared, but with a couple of people, like what we're going to go through today. Cause I, I actually kind of just looking forward to this kind of being the time. I haven't shared anything on social media. Yeah. Anything at all about it. I, a lot of people probably don't even know I went. So this is the kickoff. Would you mind telling us how it all started? Sure. Like go through day by day? Day by day. Like, cause how long were you out there for? So we were there for, I guess, travel to travel was eight, nine days. Okay. So, um, case, so we went into Prudhoe Bay, mm -hmm. um, and that in itself is, is a bit of an adventure to get in there cause it's, it's not a, there's no direct flights and it's a, it's just tiny little, it's an oil town. I mean, yeah. That's what Prudhoe Bay is, is a big lease basically from the state of Alaska. And where is this located on the, on the state? So this is on the, on the Arctic. Oh, so, so way up you're, there. You're on as far north as you get in Alaska. That's insane. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't yes. know that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, we flew into Anchorage and then we flew to Prudhoe Bay and that was still a three hour flight or something from wow. south, south end of Alaska to the north end of Alaska. Okay. How long so. did it take you to get up there? So it was three flights, total, total travel time, 15, 16 hours with layovers. That's a full so day. So not, not terrible. Um, so we left on, on a Thursday night on a red eye. Okay. So we left out of Medford early evening, and then we ended up in Prudhoe Bay somewhere around nine o'clock in the morning the next day. Mm -hmm. um, so that was pretty uneventful. Other than the last leg from Anchorage into Prudhoe, they literally told us, we're not sure if we will land. And we're like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Because we knew we knew that because we've been talking to an outfitter friend of Mike's that it had been foggy and smoky and different things. Yeah. But they were legit the, the day before, I think the flight had made it in, but for three days before the Alaska Airlines flight could not land due to weather conditions. So they told us as we're boarding the plane, like basically like FYI, we might get to the airport and not actually touch down and come back to Anchorage. That's insane sounding. Is yeah. that is that like a normal occurrence <laughs> up there? Based on how everybody else on the plane was acting, it seemed like it. Wow. So, um, yeah. And so, like, yeah, so you're flying out. You may not so, land. Yeah, so we, we take off out of Anchorage. And it's beautiful. Like, you can see the bay there at, at Anchorage. You can kind of start to see the mountains, you know, starting to go up. And then it just goes fog. So for the next couple hours, we fly just over the top of fog. And we see the occasional, like, little pieces of the Brooks Range pop up and other little spots pop up. But other than that, it's just fog. Yeah. So as we're coming in, we see, we hear the gear go down, see the flaps go to full flap, and we feel the plane completely yaw or, you know, yoke back or whatever you call it. Yeah. And so we're here and then we see the ground. That's crazy. So the ground, I don't know, it's just, I don't know if it was a hundred feet or 200 feet or 50 feet. I couldn't tell you, but like all of a sudden there was runway and then we landed <laughs> and Oh, I just saw fun. tundra in every direction. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, this is, this is new. That's crazy. 
So so you guys touched down, you, you made it through the fog, no issue. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, probably the smoothest landing we had of all three flights. <laughs> <No joke>. Okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, and, um, and so what's it like when you land? Like, so Prudo is an inner, I mean, it, it's not a community. It is literally basically a giant work site. Okay. So it's either contractors who are doing infrastructure for the support of oil yeah. or oil contractors. Okay. So drilling, pipeline, and all the support to go with that. Sure. So, you know, there's a handful of what I'll call camps or motels that you can stay at. Is that, a, is that kind of, are they, how do they land on the scale of what we're used to out here, motel-wise or hotel-wise or whatever? I, I just, let's just... Just to say that it's extremely militaristic. Okay. You know, like, like <laughs> barracks. Think barracks. Think more okay, barracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, it was fun. I mean, it was a new experience, and the yeah. people were so nice. Like, we were going to walk over to, there was a private air, uh, private airline company that Mike's friend works for. Yeah. And that's where we had, like, access to a walk-in cooler and a place to store some stuff and different things. It was super cool. Um, so we were just going to walk over there with all our gear. Yeah. We didn't even make it. 30 feet out of the parking lot I'm sure it looked like beverly hillbilly showed up with gun cases walking you know yeah. we're, we're gonna walk we didn't make it 30 feet before someone's like what are you guys doing we'll give you a ride like just like nicest people oh that's awesome like the whole community up there uh you know all these workers are super nice so they're just open to you guys coming up like because sometimes you go hunting places and people are a little bit weird about it but not at all this was like just open arms wow I don't know if they saw, oh, look at these saps. You yeah. Know, I don't know if that's what <laughs> They're going to be miserable in a week. Might as well have them out today. But yeah, it was, it was cool. So then we, um, so we joked that we, we had about plan A through Z yeah. probably contingencies and the fog instantly nixed like first three plans we had, which all involved hitching a ride with outfitter friend of Mike's okay. and getting dropped off somewhere, you know, in a cub, just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so those got all nixed. So, so this is, I guess, day one of the hunt, Okay. you know, so Friday, um, we're at, at, at right air at the airline company and we're basically Mike's friend is going to drop us off after work. We're going to drive South. He's going to drop us off. That was our plan. So we spent so cool. the afternoon, uh, we went over and picked up a couple of things that we needed in town, um, went over to the, so the, the only real restaurant in town, it's like a, a straight up like cafeteria style breakfast, lunch, dinner, like you'd find at college. Okay. So you walk in, you pay your 17 bucks or whatever it was for your meal. You grab a tray and you go through the line as many times as you want. Mike can eat ice cream. <laughs> like he was, a, he, he, the, the amount of ice cream he consumed at a couple different times we were there yeah. was Historic. The superfood of the Alaska <laughs> backpacker. That's but anyway, so we did that, and then we went back to Right Air, and we're sitting there, and uh, the uh, uh, we, we start going through our gear and getting everything lined up, and uh, the uh, this were one of our mistakes. We started trying to see how much weight we could save because they had their whole luggage thing yeah right there so we're setting we're setting everything on the luggage scale yeah and um we're, we're not everything but our packs and we're trying to get rid of stuff sure so we're like and that's when i realized my pack was going to be like 70 pounds with bow and rifle and food for a week that's and a lot everything else it was that's a lot it was more than i was mentally i was thinking like 55 to 60. yeah so i'm like mike's like oh you don't need that you don't need that you don't need that and we'll get back to some of those things that I tossed out that I might have actually wanted. Uh, but anyway, we get loaded up and it's like, I don't know, 
four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm guessing. Yeah. We hit the road four or five o'clock. And again, we're at the very north end of Alaska. Yeah. So it means there's like three hours of dark every night. So it's, it's like... Is that weird? It was super weird. But at a certain point, you also just get so tired, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, gotta remember, we were on a red eye. Yeah. Slept on the floor of the airport for a little bit. Slept on a plane for a little bit. Nice. So... Yeah. You're well rested. Yeah. Yeah, super well rested. <laughs> and of course, you know, weeks leading up to a trip, you're not rested. No, you're ramped. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, we uh, get, in the, get in the guy's car and, you know, this is a friend of Mike's, but we're also, you know, obviously trying to be fair with them, comp, you know, it, work with those guys. They, they make some money off of us. Guys, hunters who come in and, you know, it's a kind of a pretty cool deal. Okay. Where they, they're able to, you know, use, we, we use their cooler, use other things like that. I don't, this is a friend deal. It's not something they advertise like to the general sure, general or yeah. whatever. But um, <clears throat> anyway, it was, uh, uh, I think what it ended up being about a two and a half hour drive south. Okay. So it was, it it's was a drive. Great. Yeah. And we weren't seeing much game while we were driving. We saw some caribou right near Prudhoe. So as you're driving and you're looking out, what does it look like? Good question. So this is Dalton Highway. Okay. So we're on the Dalton. This is not, no trade secrets. This is the only road out of Prudhoe Bay. Okay. And it's the only, you don't, like in Oregon where there's BLM roads everywhere? Yeah. No. There are no roads. It is that road and that road only and a few access roads to the pipeline yeah. that you cannot drive on. Okay. So just only for rig guys, oil people, whatever. Yeah. Those access roads. Yeah. Uh, you can walk out some of them, but the main highway goes from Fairbanks up and there's a couple little towns and ends in Prudhoe Bay. Wow. So you have oil pipeline kind of traffic, maintenance stuff, and then you've got uh, just a constant string of semi-trucks. Like the whole, like, what was the show, Ice Road Truckers? Ice Road Truckers, yeah. That's there. Okay, yeah. all right, point of context. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's that road. Wow. So <clears throat> anyway, um, so you can picture there's hunters and there's semis and an occasional contractor truck okay. on this road. And it's, so a little bit of it's paved, a lot of it's gravel, and you can just kind of, you can picture um, the tundra, so there's not a tree in sight. Yeah, just flat. There's, there's a little rolling. bit of willows down along the river or whatnot, so the Sag River's on one side, and then you just got tundra for as far as you can see. Wow. And then as you go south, it goes from flat as can be to rolling to some mountains to the Brooks Range, which is like some of the most rugged mountains you're ever gonna see. And then they kind of just come out of nowhere? Kind of, I mean, you, you see it. In the distance, okay. You can see it from 50 miles. Wow. So I wouldn't say it's out of nowhere. Yeah. But it definitely, it, grow, it quite literally grows <laughs> on you. That's cool. So um, anyway, we get down to an area. And the other thing is you gotta remember the, the fog is just coming in and out. That same fog we couldn't land in. So some points we're seeing 100 yards. Yeah. Other points we're seeing 300 yards. Some point, get lucky, we're seeing a half a mile for a moment and then it's going away. Because yeah, growing up, we would call that like pea soup fog or something like that. Yeah, Mike dubbed it the super fog. Okay, <laughs> super fog. And that's what we went with the rest of the trip. The super fog. The super fog. <laughs> is it like impossible to see through? Yeah. Okay. But not only is it impossible to see through, but it's like walking through a shower. Like it is so wet that you're like just about wearing rain gear in fog. That's wild. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's good. Like just super condensation, just, just soaking everything. 100% humidity, but literally you can see like your rain jacket sheeting water off from the fog. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, we, we get down Never there. Seen anything like that. There was an area that Mike had, had hunted in before that we, um, 
we had a, a little what, what around here you'd probably call a small river but up there is a creek mm -hmm. that we had to cross uh, anyway we get dropped off i don't know what time it was 7 p.m 8 p.m broad daylight it's still pretty much daylight yeah wow. um so we get out and we each shoot a couple arrows real quick just to make sure nothing got bumped in the flight yeah and then uh get packed up and make our way through i don't know a half mile of tundra across this i mean it came up to the creek came up to here on my gator so it was like i was worried about like going over my gators as yeah. we were going through <clears throat> and then we crossed that and then we've got this I think I might have a picture of it that we can throw up on the screen, but there's this draw that comes down on the right-hand side is like what I'd call almost like sheep country. It's like yeah. this rock face, and it's this real steep razorback that comes down. And then the left-hand side of the draw is all just this really steep tundra-covered knob, or I shouldn't say knob. It's like probably a five-mile-long finger that comes down, <clears throat> but it's steep on both sides, like yeah. super steep. <clears throat> and... Uh, so we get to the, the gut of this canyon to go up and Mike's like, Hey, if we get up on these rocks on this razor, we can, we can go right up here. It'll be no problem. We'll get up on the hard rocks. It'll be, it'll be great. Sounds like a great plan. It's like 60 degrees. <laughs> and these rocks are not like Oregon rocks. Yeah. Oregon rocks are, are like embedded in the ground. You step on them. They don't go anywhere. These rocks with all the thawing and snow and glacier and everything yeah. are like a whole bunch of roller skates. Jeez. So we got about, I don't know, <clears throat> we gained maybe 50, 100 feet of elevation. And I'm, I got to a spot and I'm looking around going, I've got 70 pounds on my back. I've got a bow slung across the back of my pack and a rifle. And I've got two trekking poles in my hands. And I, I'm, I'm like, if I slide down this hill, this trip's already over and we're an hour into it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we've got to go back. So it was pretty hairy just even getting back down out of that. Yeah. It's like just Scree City, like coming out from oh, underneath your feet. But instead of Scree Rock, you know, it's that big. Yeah. A lot of these were like rocks that were like this big, but you step on them and they, they just take off on you. Oh, geez. So, yeah. That sounds terrifying. It was not something that I had ever experienced before. Though, Like when you step on a rock, you expect it to stay Yeah, there. to kind of be there. Yeah. <laughs> not there. Wild. Just would just take off on you. That's nuts. So I was literally in the scree and I was just digging my boot in to a spot where I could get enough of it. And then I'd find a spot for a trekking pole, get it dug in and then find another spot. And that's how I backed out of that situation. So welcome to Alaska. Basically. Yeah. Welcome to Alaska. First fail. <laughs> First fail. 30 minutes in. Perfect. <clears throat> so then we, we crossed that, the gut of that um, uh, canyon and went up onto the tundra. At that point, you know, we're, we got up there and we're like, man, we're tired. The, the red eye is starting to hit us. Yeah. We're one mile from the road and our goal is to get about five miles in. We're like, forget it. We're throwing the teepee up here. We can't see anything. We don't even know where we're going 100%. Yeah. I mean, we see it on the phone, <clears throat> the GPS, but we're like, fine, we're just going to stay here. So we stayed there. And I will say one thing. As much as I don't like the tundra and how it, how hard it is to walk on it, yeah. sleeping on it is amazing. <laughs> it's like a giant cushion that's like this Just thick. a memory foam mattress. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> as far like, as you can see. I, you know, I put you know, my, my mattress, my backpacking mattress on top of it, and I yeah. slept like a baby. That's awesome. It was. That's really cool. Well, and that was about the last time I had dry feet, too, by the way. Okay. So, now we're in. So just a quick question. So you're talking about like the these loose boulders kind of hitting your first Alaska fail an hour into it or whatever. Yeah. What was what was the contingency plan for safety? Do you guys have a radio? Do you have a GPS? Was there a way to call somebody? Like if you were able to shoot something, how did like was there a plan that you talked to Mike's friends about? 
like how to yeah, get you so out of there? Everybody was connected via inReach. Okay. So we had we had the inReach coverage, the satellite messenger, so on and so forth, and the rescue button on that. Okay, nice. All that fun stuff. Okay. So cool. just uh, kind of out of curiosity, it was like yeah, and believe it or not, that. we would get hit and miss cell phone coverage there because there was this like college installation just down south where they were doing a bunch of studies and different things. And if you were on a south facing slope, you would every now and then get cell phone coverage from there. I was amazed and, when you sent me some text. And then, like, I, How was this and then we, we got to the other side of the mountain. We got some back from Prudhoe, even though we were 120 miles, we were on the highest mountain between us and there. And we actually got oh, a little bit of that's crazy. coverage. It was, it was surprising to yeah. say the least. Um, but anyway, so so first night there. Yeah, so that's Friday night. Friday night. So we left Thursday night. This is Friday night. So 24 hours later, we're made it all the way one mile in. We're feeling really good about <laughs> ourselves. We're like, we're so tough. We made it a mile. <laughs> We've been training all year for this. We're ready to go. But the reality was we were just going to, we, we had to see. Yeah. We couldn't see where we were going. So the next morning, get get up, get camp, packed up. And we had two choices. We could go up this big long finger ridge that was all covered in tundra and brush and stuff. Or we could go back through the gut of this creek and figure out a way up that crazy steep hillside. Sure. So our next fail was we decided to go up the tundra. Okay. So we made about a half mile up through the tundra going uphill. And we're like, this is terrible. Like we're going through just, it's wet, it's brush. Like we're just getting soaked. And we're like, okay, scratch that. Those yeah. rocks on the other side look amazing. We're gonna figure out a way to get up there. So you're just pinging pong, ping ponging back and forth. Kind so of? now we went to where we started. Jeez. Not where we started back at the road, but like yeah. back at the gut of, so we, we lost all the elevation we gained, went back to the bottom of the creek. And it wasn't that bad. I mean, we yeah. probably had three, 300 feet, 400 feet of elevation we gained. So it wasn't that big a deal. Hit the gut of the creek. And instead of trying to go up the nasty scree, yeah. we went back up the gut of the creek for, I don't know, half mile something like that and then we found a much more manageable 45 degree angle slope beautiful that was more it had more grass and stuff it wasn't just straight scree and rock gotcha. so we went up there and then all i can describe is like there's basically these shelves that i would describe this mountain i think um how how, how do you describe it basically at the edge of each shelf and there are these shelves that run down at maybe a 15 degree angle yeah. is a rock bluff and then a shelf, and then a rock bluff, and then a shelf. And just picture like stair steps going yeah. up. But each stair step jumps up 50, 100 feet of elevation, and then it's more or less, you know, flat on for a few hundred yards, and it steps up and then steps up. It was wild. So we'd go from like tundra to rock field, tundra to rock field. Um, is that, are those steps created by the melt-off or is it? I, I really don't know, but okay. that's, that's what we assumed. Okay. Um, so anyway, we, we got on one of those rock fields and we went and caught a bunch of elevation going up, but now it's probably not quite lunchtime. Yeah. And the super fog shows back up. Super fog. Like it didn't fully clear out, but we could see pretty well that morning. Yeah. <clears throat> this stupid fog rolls back in at that point. It was wet. Like we might as well have been in the rain. Yeah. We're sitting there just waiting. Like we're, is this going to pass? Is this going to pass? And then we get up to the top of this ridge and it's still pretty foggy and we get cliffed out. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it's basically, we couldn't keep going up 
we had to find a way around because it was just cliffs. Wow. That didn't show up on the mapping systems, these cliffs. Weird. It just, it looked like normal contours going up, but no, it was like flat, 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 cliff, flat. So it just showed up as a regular contour on the mapping. Jeez. So we worked our way around the face and that itself was like it, its own little exercise in faith of not like, uh, is this rock good? Okay, this rock is good. And we yeah. wrapped around and then the fog lifted again <clears throat> and we had some really good views and it got a little bit sunny and we're trying to dry out everything like we're yanking boots off and getting socks out and trying to get dried out so how fast do you go from dry to wet well when your boots leak and you don't know that they're gonna leak because they didn't leak before the summer of hiking Ay. they get wet really fast yikes the gators worked well yeah you know that was great but when the boots just straight up leak now, Mike had one boot that was leaking slightly. Yeah. I had two boots that you might as well have not had Gore-Tex in as far as I was concerned. Oh, man. And that's from all the hiking and training that you were doing this summer? I guess so. Yikes. But anyway, I mean, it, I just wore them out. Yeah. You know, they were a year and a half old boots, and I put a lot of miles on them. Sure. But I, you know, I was like, oh, that'll be fine. Never again. <laughs> um, but... Uh. No, wet feet are the worst. Yeah, so we, we kind of tried to get things dried out. At this point, yeah. we're still not seeing any caribou, any game, anything. So we're like, okay. And how far and can you see? Like, what's the visibility like from where you guys are? At that point, when it cleared up, I mean, we could see a mile, something okay. like that, yeah. but not more than that. Um, and then, so we packed back up after an hour or so, just kind of getting things dried and thawed and everything else. And, so, and temperatures are in the 40s. Okay, so it's, it's chilly. And it's yeah. windy. Yeah. Um, when the sun came out, probably made it into high 50s for a little bit. Um, but then we start working our back way back up. See, in the mountain, we're going to work our way up. It's about 2,000 feet of gain over about two miles. Okay, yeah. Well, two miles from where we got to the, uh, the gut of the creek, and then there's probably another mile and a half back. So maybe three and a half miles, 2,000 feet of yeah. gain. Um, and most of the gain was on each of these like little shelves as we went up. Um, so we start back up, and then Superfog comes back at, just after lunchtime. Man. And we probably only made it another quarter mile because we're just like, what's the point in continuing to move forward? We can't see anything. I mean, we couldn't see, we couldn't see across this river right now based on, you know, when it rolled in and it was wet. So we're just like, you know, forget it. It's 5 p.m. Yeah. We're pitching a tent right here. We're Call just going to sleep, sleep through the, through fog. I think we woke up at nine o'clock, ate some food, went back to bed. And then at, uh, it got light at about 3.30, 4 o'clock. And we're like, hey, it's light. Oh my gosh, we can see. We're above the fog. The fog had all settled in below us. Nice. So we're like, sweet. But then we also realized the tent's frozen solid. Everything is frozen. The oh, temperature geez. must have dropped to 28, 27, somewhere in there, maybe even colder because of how hard everything froze up. Yeah. So we're like, oh man, it's cold. And I'm like, my boots are still wet. Like it was the first few hours of that morning I was, I wasn't questioning, but I was like, this is why I'm here. I'm here to stop for I was going to ask, I mean, like this, it sounds like, did it dishearten you a little bit? Like having such kind of a rocky start, if you'll excuse the pun, like it. Not like, yet. Okay. So, so we get up to the, the summit. So this is, what's that? Sunday morning. Sunday morning. We get up to the summit and we get on this giant bowl. And I've got a couple of pictures of this we'll throw up. And, um, I'm like, we're gonna see caribou somewhere in here. Got to, we, we're seeing five, eight miles, easy. And, uh, and the fog's kind of coming and going. So we're, we're glassing, all of a sudden the fog comes back and then we're stopped for a minute and it's just coming and going. Yeah. Wind's blowing, it's still frozen. Um, 
And I, I, at that point, I, I literally, I was so irritated with my boots and how cold my feet were. And I had my, my breakfast meal that I cooked up mm -hmm. and I took my boots off and put the driest pair of socks I still had on, stuck my feet on top of the peak meal, yeah. wrapped them up in a jacket, and just sat there with his glasses <laughs> with my feet on top of the, the, the peak meal that oh, I had just boiled, you know, boiled water yeah, in. Just a little I'm like, this reaction. is so much better. <laughs> just glass, and I'm like, this is stupid. Anyway, oh, when we man. didn't see anything there, I'm like, oh man, this is actually starting to get a little bit discouraging. Yeah. Um, but we had about two miles to go to get to where our goal was. Did you have for hand camp. warmers or foot warmers or anything like that? Hand warmers were back at the place where one of the things we got rid of when we were oh saving weight. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. That's <laughs> Never make that mistake No, again. take them with you. That's Correct. Great. Take them with you. I oh saved like six ounces by leaving the hand warmers and I was an idiot. Okay. So, Noted. anyway. If you go to Alaska, take your hand warmers. If you're sitting there and you see a scale and you're trying to save weight, walk away from it. <laughs> just take everything you'd plan. Exactly. It'll be fine. Just suffer. Yes. <laughs> so, so you have your peak meal warming your feet. Fortunately, I didn't get rid of my heavier gloves or my heavier beanie. Yeah. And I did not get rid of, you know, the jackets and layers and different things. Okay. I got rid of the hand warmers, which would have been the game changer. Oh my goodness. I could have put them in my shoes. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Uh. So, we make the last two mile hike, which was at that point downhill, and it was mostly rock, so it was pretty easy. Yeah. And we get set up in the camp site that we were planning on staying in for the next few days. And uh, well, it's not campsite, but the general location on the map. So we're right on the rifle uh, zone. Okay. So we made it the five miles in. So we talked about this a little bit in the previous podcast, but yeah. can you explain how the zones work again? Yeah, so if you're off the Dalton Highway in Alaska, the first five miles is archery only. Okay. You get beyond five miles, it becomes rifle or archery. Um, so we were we were camped like four and a half miles, but we were in striking distance okay. of rifle. We'd easily be able to spot game out in the five mile area. <clears throat> so, um, and the only tags in your pocket are what? We have, each have one caribou tag. Each have one caribou tag. Yep. Okay. We get uh, camp set up, and the fog was coming and going again. Like after the that first three hours or so in the morning, it kind of came back, and it was coming and going. And so we're like, well, we're gonna make our way down this ridge line, get out into, like looking out into the rifle area, look at this next big mountain that was kind of to our south. Yeah. <clears throat> and we were hoping we were gonna find some caribou up there working around that mountain somewhere. Um, so we work our way over there, lose a few hundred feet of elevation, go a couple of miles, a couple more miles. Um, and we get out and at the end of these mountains going to the west, it just becomes tundra again. So we're up 1,500 feet or something from the tundra, 1,000 yeah. feet. I don't know, maybe it was more than that. <clears throat> and then you could see for like, when the super fog wasn't there, yeah. you could see for 50, 60 miles. Wild. So <clears throat> we're, we're looking out, there's a river in front of us, there's lakes, there's probably 10 lakes that we can see. And where you're at, does it slope down or is it kind of sheer facing? It's or? like a 45 degree. Okay, so it's, yeah. It's steep. Yeah. Um, Maybe not quite 45, some areas probably 30. But it's, yeah, it's not like a gentle kind of sloping down. You yet. wouldn't really want to walk up it if you didn't have to. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So we're glassing and we really got set up because by the time all oh, this is probably coming on four o'clock, five o'clock, things cleared. Okay. We're like, okay. So it's been foggy since we got there Friday morning to now we're Sunday evening mm -hmm. and it finally kind of cleared up. <clears throat> so we're 
I'm celebrating because I'm trying to dry things out. Mike's celebrating because he can see things to go try to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different perspectives going in the same direction. Well, I figured that, you know, he, he'll spot them. Well, we're both being productive. Yeah, you're drying your socks, <laughs> he's glassing, it's all going to work out. So, we're glassing. He starts finding caribou. Okay. But they're 10 miles away, 8 miles away, 15 miles away. How is he seeing them so far away? So... Um, this is one of the lessons I learned. So he, he does everything, and now I'm going to be doing everything. Everything's tripod, 15 power binoculars, okay. and high-quality optics. Like He has Swervos. I've since bought a pair of Swervos, Swarovski. Um, <laughs> They're really, really nice binos. Yes. Um, Very nice binos. <laughs> painful. Pa painfully expensive. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but that's how he's, that's, he's glassing up, just, just on the tripod, just you know, gritting through or looking, you know, and he, and you know, you look through, I mean, they're the tiniest little dot. Sure. But, you know, I'm, I had my handheld like 12 power, I'll call mid-grade glass. Yeah. I wasn't seeing hardly anything. Like after he'd be like, oh, it's right there and it's by that lake and, oh yeah, see the um, Sure. See, see a smudge see over a there. Back. <laughs> Not sure if it's a piece of dirt on my lens or what. And then you go over and look through the tripod mounted swervos, you're like, oh, that's obviously a caribou. Wild. Okay. So, so anyway, that's how he's official them. endorsement for a nice glass. Oh my goodness! Official endorsement to go bankrupt buying nice glass. Okay. Yes. Noted. <clears throat> so to my Christmas wish list. Yeah. <laughs> <About that. laughs> Christmas is after hunting season, my friend. So <laughs> yeah. get it now. Um, so this is coming up on probably 6 p.m. now. Um, Mike gets excited and says, "I see, I see a wolf." And I'm like, "A wolf." He goes, yeah. And on the flight there, he had said something. He goes, you know, in Alaska, you can put a caribou tag on a wolf. And I'm like, no, I didn't know that, but okay, cool. Yeah. So we're, he sees this wolf. I, he showed, he puts it in the glass and I looked at it and I'm like, huh, it really does look like a wolf. And the wolf was laying down. It was a white wolf laying down. And uh, I look at the Onyx maps and I looked at the river, the Tulik. And I looked at the two lakes that I saw in there and looked at where the wolf was. I'm like, that's 3.2, 3.3 miles away. Okay. So you can figure, I mean, that wolf looks Tiny. that big, yeah. like, like a needle in the binoculars. And the only reason he even saw it was it, it was walking and he saw it walk into a little circle and lay down. Okay. So it was the movement that caught his eye. He's like, oh my goodness. So then he looks at me and he goes, hey, howl at it. I'm like, howl at it? It's three <laughs> miles away. Like really he goes yeah just do it i'm like you do it <laughs> and so he howls a couple times at yeah. it and i was like have you practiced that before he's like no i just figured it's what a wolf sounds like i'm like could have fooled me it sounded really good that's awesome and i'm looking through and the wolf got up and i'm like mm, i think that was coincidence because he'd like he'd just been walking before he laid down i'm like i think that was coincidence like yeah. he didn't hear you there's no way and uh, no, he didn't get up. He lifted his head. And I'm like, that's, I don't know. And so he howled again. And then the wolf stood up. What? He's like, let me see. And he's looking through, the guy's binoculars back and he's looking through. And he, the wolf runs down this little rock slope and there's another wolf and he stirs him up. And both wolves start crossing kind of at a 45 degree angle in front of the lake, but between the river and the lake. Yeah. And again, the river's right at probably 2.8 to 3 miles away. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in full pessimistic, like, they're going to go 
eat a caribou over there. <laughs> like we're probably gonna watch him eat our caribou. Like that's where my mind <laughs> sure. is. Like, and I'm like, so uh, I said, well, if they cross the river, like, then I'll believe that 100. percent something's happening. Yeah, right something's now. going on. Yeah. And like 10 minutes later, they cross the river. Wild. And Mike's like, we got to get down this mountain. Like, fast. was he howling the entire time, helping them come in, or no. did they just start doing their own thing? They started doing their own thing after maybe three, four calls. Wow. Okay. And uh, so I'm like, oh shoot! And like I'm throwing all the stuff back in the pack, <laughs> and throwing boots back on, and we lose I don't know, say 800 feet of elevation, just fly off this mountain because there's a there's a mountain here that we're on, and then there's a a big draw, and then there's another mountain, and they're coming basically right at the mountain we're on. And we figured there's this draw, they're gonna come right up this draw. So we, we ran down to the bottom where we had, and this is going into rifle zone. Okay. So we're right, we're clear, clear, clear to guns. Sure. It's not bows anymore. Yeah, rifle, <laughs> rifle, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact they're coming to, you know, escort in a not so polite way other wolves out of their area. Yeah. I'm happiest to rifle. Yeah. Copy that. Um, so we get down, get set up, we range to the bottom of this canyon, it was like 400 yards. And, um, we get set up and they're still coming. So, but they're maybe two and a half miles now, two miles. Okay. So we get set up, he's on, he's, he's got his shooting position built. I've got the optics and the range finder. Did you both have a bow and a rifle? No, one rifle, two bows. Okay. So, um, we ended up taking his 338 Win Mag. It, it was a tack driver, but it's also kind of a brush gun. Yeah. Um, we start talking and he didn't have any ballistics printed out. Because in caribou land, which is where we were planning on being, you could walk to 200 yards from most caribou. Okay. And it's dead accurate at 200, but yeah. no issues. 400, 500, we, when we dove off the mountain, we lost a little bit of cell signal we had. Yeah. So there was no, there was no reaching any of our software at that point because nothing was pre-downloaded or anything. Yeah. So we're like guessing as best we can, just thinking, okay, 338, like just, just guessing what our what our holdovers are going to be. Yeah. They're like, all right, well, if he gets to 400, this we came up with a solution and different things. So it was a little bit of a Kentucky wind situation. A little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> so. And uh, for those of you that don't know, there's all of these apps out there that you can track, like to the I don't know how how specific does it get? Oh, I mean, like tenth of a minute kind of thing. I mean. Well, everything everything in my world is in mils, so a tenth of a mil. A tenth of a mil. Yeah. So at 100 yards, that's a third of an inch. Yeah very specific you can have it all on yeah. your computer know exactly or your phone know exactly what to do well and the, and the thing that's bad is like you know b both of us are pretty competent long-range shooters yeah both of us at home have long-range rigs that, that connect with stuff well over a thousand in mike's case two thousand yards yeah so like it's not like we don't we just didn't come prepared for that <laughs> like we weren't mentally there we're, yeah. we're caribou hunting yeah we're 200 yards and out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so the wolves are still coming in. So it took probably 40 minutes for them to come in from where we initially saw them to coming into about 1500 yards. Yeah. So 1500 yards is, you know, just under a mile and they held up. So at that point, Mike did call a couple more times. And then they had, at that point, they had a lock on our general location. And so they're coming in, but then they tuck behind the mountain that is to our south. Okay. And I say a mountain, it's the first finger that goes down so they tuck behind that which is the opposite ridge of the one that we're on the, the fingers that come down and create this big draw yeah <clears throat> and they disappeared but we know they're coming but we don't know if they're going to come up above us we don't know if they're going to reappear at the bottom or come somewhere in between yeah we're just sitting there like where are they and it, i don't know i couldn't tell you if it was 30 seconds or 10 minutes 
have no idea. We just were frozen, like just scanning, looking, looking. Was looking. there an adrenaline spike there, or how did a little that, bit, a little bit, a little bit for sure. Okay. It wasn't crazy. Like both of us knew what our jobs were, and we were just. It was kind of on a mission. Yeah. And then they ended up coming about mid-slope on this finger, still, still in the rifle zone. Because if they went up too high, they would have gone back into the bow zone. Okay. So we really didn't want that to happen. Um, so anyway, they come up, um, and they come up mid mid-slope. And I ranged, it was like 650, and then they just kept coming right across this. Didn't You could tell they didn't know where we were. Hmm. They, they knew, generally speaking, they, they would stop and look around, like trying to pick up where, what, where the other wolves were. Yeah. But they couldn't find us. So they're coming, coming across mid-slope, and it's like 600, 550, 500, 450, and they get almost to the bottom where they're coming, cutting across like a 30-degree angle. Yeah. And I'm like 400, and the gray wolf was in the lead. There was a gray wolf and a white wolf. And... I was like, I, I, I gave him a 400, I said, send it. And the first shot was low uh, on the gray wolf. Second shot was low on the gray wolf. And then the gray wolf just hit the turbos and went straight out of that canyon. Wow. Fortunately, Mike had picked up enough data on those two shots that his next, the white wolf popped out and I was like, what's going on guys? Cause he was a little bit behind. Yeah. He heard the shots, but he didn't, he didn't know what was going on. He's just like, he's like looking around like this. And I'm like, shoot the white wolf for, I forget what the number was, call it 400 still. And then when that round touched off, that wolf just crumpled. Oh, wow. So at that point, we, we went back to the glass real quick to see if we could figure out where that other wolf went. But that wolf probably in the next zip code at that Sure, point. yeah, long gone. Um, but we just sat there and looked at each other and we're like, did this just happen? Did we just get to experience? calling in a wolf from three miles away and actually getting a shot and getting it. That's insanity. And it was this big old white wolf, big white male wolf, which we'll get the, the yeah, pictures up. Of. Absolutely. But it was, it was, it was the craziest hunting experience I'd ever been a part of in any hunt ever in my life. Just how spotting the wolf, howling at them from that distance, having them come in, not just come in, but come in right where we kind of expected Yeah. to, missing to still being able to figure it out adjust yeah. and you know still kill the the other wolf that's pretty incredible it was wild and we're just we sat there for i don't know like i said you kind of lose track of time in this yeah absolutely. i don't know if it was two minutes that we sat there or an hour but we're just like like letting it all sink in like did this just happen absolutely like whoa and then you know the other part of the reality set in that it was like at that point like 7 p.m yeah and we're basically at the bottom of the mountain that we had climbed. <laughs> so you just and undone everything that you'd worked so hard to do the not, other day? Not all of it, but we're on the opposite side. Okay, yeah. So now we've come every bit of seven miles total, something like that. And we've now dropped almost all the way to the bottom on the tundra on the other side. <clears throat> so we uh, get down to the wolf. And I've got a little bit of video we can throw up on here for, for this part of it where we're walking up to the wolf. And then yeah. we've got a bunch of good photos of it. But this wolf, it was kind of interesting. Um, adult, male, full frame body animal. But he was hungry. Really? He was skinny. He had, I think, I think they had been struggling because the caribou weren't in that area. Mm. And we were seeing that because when we were seeing the caribou, they were some distance in, even beyond where these wolves were. So the best thing we can guess is that they had been kind of scavenging, sure. waiting for the, you know, trying to find where the herds of caribou were. That's interesting. And 
I, I wonder if that's, that's yeah. I don't know if it contributed to how they came in. Like if they were thinking, not only were they going to run the wolves out there and snack on them too. That's kind of what I was guessing. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, that they were at least looking to see what you guys were working on. Yeah, or maybe they thought we had a kill and they were going to run us off of it. Something. Or something. Yeah. I don't know, but um, it, it was interesting how vocal the animals were too, because it was hard for us to hear, but we could see through the glass that they would howl at us. Oh wow! And when they got closer, we got to actually hear them, like we were bouncing back what was it like hearing the wolf howl i mean i've heard wolves howl in eastern oregon okay. i've heard wolves howl in other places so it wasn't that different but when you were watching it happen and you knew that that animal was like responding to you i mean it's like like the first time you you get a bull bugling yeah like just something changes it's like that is amazing yeah it's so much fun and and it was i mean it was it was wild to watch that transpire now i will say i can't howl to save my life so if i see one and i don't have somebody with me who can howl i'm not sure what i'm gonna do yeah, yeah, no, it's, i'm not even gonna grace you guys with that terrible sound that's wild because i so i just a quick sidebar i saw wolves for the first time in my life hunting in british columbia gotcha and we heard them howl in the timber line and my buddy mike who's a guide up there different mike but same name mm -hmm. but when he howled and they responded, mm -hmm. it was the first time I'd ever heard a sound like that. And knowing that we were in their neighborhood and not ours, yeah. it freaked me out in the best kind of way. It was, it was like that primal response, like it hits you somewhere deep inside mm -hmm. your chest. And you're like, okay, yeah. uh, you, can, you can understand how powerful they are or how capable they are. And the fact that they heard you guys three miles and change away and then pinpointed you. Well, it was interesting. Like I've talked to lay pe you know, people who aren't hunters and haven't like, experienced wolves or Alaska or things. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. They heard you from that far. And then I talked to people who have actually spent time up there and they're like, oh yeah, they heard you from that far. They're amazing, like killing machines. Yeah. So anyway. That's insane. So, yeah. But so we get, he, um, <clears throat> Mike skins it out, gets the skull, or gets the, gets everything worked up. Um, and it started raining on us. So the fog came back and then it started raining. Gotcha. <clears throat> so, and the temperature dropped. It didn't go to freezing, but it dropped. So you, you were rewarded for your hard work. <clears throat> we were rewarded with a bunch of suck while we were working up <laughs> the animal. And by Love we, it. I mean, he was doing 99% of the work and I was holding the occasional paw and leg and stuff <laughs> to help him with the process. And then I uh, got it worked up. And then we headed. Um, was that his first wolf? Yeah. Okay. So this was a big. This is a big. Deal. Oh, a huge deal for yeah. both of us. Yeah. Like, so we got it worked up though, and um, at this point, then we look up and we're like, well, we could take the easier like hiking route, which is going to be about twice as long, and go up the gut of the draw. Yeah. And then hit a saddle, and then go up the the ridge top, <clears throat> or we can go straight up the mountain. We looked at each other. It's cold. Let's get warm, yeah. which means let's go straight, straight up the up. mountain. And we just we just went. Yeah. I think we stopped once on the way back to camp, but it was um, a full send up the hill. It was a full send, and I I think it was 800 feet basically straight up, wow. something like that. Um, you know, like 45 degree angle type, 30 45 degree angle type. Yeah, just going. climb, <clears throat> and then we got to the top of the ridge, and then we had another mile and a half or something back to camp, which really after some of the other stuff we were doing, wasn't that bad. Okay. Um, were your that, legs burning at all? I mean, like, it sounds like a lot of walking and hiking and like honestly, difficult Honestly, that's the victory. I wasn't, 
I had a lot left in the tank. Wow. When I was tired, I wanted to sleep and rest. Yeah. But muscle-wise, I had a lot left in the That's tank. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, well, and it was also, I didn't have camp on my back anymore. Okay. So gotcha. I was carrying, you know, a rifle and a bow and some food and all the... I guess, I guess the term in the guide world is all the snivel gear. The sniffles. Snivel gear. <laughs> all, all the comfort stuff, yeah, all the all layers and gloves and, and everything. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, not bad. And, uh, you know, obviously a wolf hide and skull for Mike wasn't, you know, wasn't terribly yeah. heavy. Um, so we get back to camp and obviously you don't bring the, the hide and skull right into camp because of grizzlies. Sure. Uh, so that we, you know, left that a little ways away, got some rest, got food. That food tasted amazing <laughs> that night. Oh my goodness. That peak meal plus whatever <laughs> extra stuff I had from the, the food bag for the day. Whew, and did you end good. up using the powdered like protein? Like you, you were bringing some fat or something, right? So, oh, so one of the big victories on this hunt for me was the food bags. Okay. Like I prepped every day's food in individual Ziploc bags, gallon bags. So I had like all my vitamins, all the different, I, I called it my super drink. Everything became super on that trip. Super <laughs> drink, super, super fog. <laughs> the super Alaska adventure. Um, but that was my uh, athletic greens mixed with my element, my electrolyte mix. Yeah. I would do one or two of those a day just for extra, you know, especially electrolytes. I definitely did a couple of those a day. Okay. Cause I mean, I was still, even though it's cold, I'm still sweating. Oh yeah. But, uh, Anyway, did that, that was a victory. And then that night, so now we're going into Monday and we said, okay, well, if we find caribou Monday morning, awesome. If we don't find caribou, we gotta go somewhere else. So, uh, didn't find caribou. Okay. We glassed a bunch more, covered some more ground, didn't find caribou. So we're like, all right, forget it. <clears throat> Made a phone call to make sure we could get picked up that night. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, they were like, oh shoot, now we gotta cover all that ground we covered coming in here, but we gotta do it one shot on wow. the way out. And it really wasn't, wasn't, it was taxing, it was tiring, but it wasn't terrible. I think it probably was six miles or something like that. We ended up covering it, I think in three and a half hours. Oh, so you guys are hauling. Like that. Yeah, we had camp, <clears throat> we had camp, we had the wolf, we had guns, we had a little bit less food, fortunately. <laughs> um, and we had the minimum amount of water because we really just, there's so much water in that country, we were filtering almost as we needed it. Okay, so yeah, you didn't need to pack a lot with you? No, we were pretty much filtering two to three liters at a time each. Oh, wow, okay. And that's all, because we were, there was just so much water everywhere. That's um, really nice, actually. Yeah, it was great. That's really cool. Um, so anyway, we get back out to the road, and we beat our ride by an hour and a half or something awesome. to the road. So we're, well, not really awesome, because it was windy, cold, Oh, I stand raining. corrected. Sucky. <laughs> Never mind, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, stupid. So we're like laying there wanting to sleep, and you know we're not gonna set up a tent for an hour, yeah, or whatever. Like we're not doing that. <laughs> so we get there, but Mike's buddy, uh, <laughs> we didn't know it at the time, but his previous career before working up there, he owned a restaurant, was a chef, and he brought us Fabulous. leftover homemade pizza, not just oh a little bit, like two and a half pounds each. Oh my God. I don't know how much it actually was, but it was a ton, a of, ton food. of pizza. <laughs> and we cleaned it on the way back that into is, town. That is legit. Like is just awesome. completely cleaned it. That's a bro right there. And oh <laughs> my goodness, it, we were so grateful. Anyway, we got to stay in their camp that night. And when I say camp, it's like their company's motel kind of deal. Yeah. Um, you know, they had extra rooms you could rent. So we just rented a room for the night there. And then, uh, he got us hooked up with another buddy of his who works for a rental 
vehicle company, like an equipment company. Yeah. And they got us hooked up with an F-150. Nice. Oh, it was freedom. Game changer. So we went, we went into town. I went straight and bought dry socks. Yep. And they didn't have any hiking boots in like the little store there. They're all just work boots. Okay. But I'm like, oh, we're going to be driving around for a little bit. It'd be nice to ride around in a dry pair of boots. Absolutely. So I bought a pair of work boots. And we got a couple other things. I think we ate some lunch there for breakfast or whatever time of day it was. I don't even remember. I guess it was breakfast. <laughs> um, Sunshine. Hit the road, back south. And our plan was to just go in glass. Like hike a mile here, get to some elevation glass. Our goal was just to figure out where the herds were. Mm -hmm. So. And in this area, just cause I have no point of reference, yeah. are there multiple herds moving around? Is it one big one that breaks up? Like how do the caribou? So it's a migration. Okay. So what we found for whatever reason, everything was in super small groups. Like one, two to five or six. Okay. There was not herds at that point for whatever reason. Um, so we were headed south out of Prudhoe and we get, there was a spot Mike really wanted to check out that he had tried to you know, convince his guys last year to hike into and no one wanted to hike into. And I second their opinion now that we've been there, but um, <laughs> we go right. out and about a mile away, there's this big gravel pile. So we're like, oh, we'll just walk over to that and get up on the gravel pile and we'll glass. And we'll see if we can find some caribou close in. Um, so I'm like, well, fine, it's only a mile. I'm going to leave these work boots on Yeah. because my feet are dry. I'm like happy as can be. First time, four days, five days, whatever it was. I had dry feet. Yeah. Four days. And uh, we walk over the gravel pile. And this is where I discovered the term a Mike mile. A Mike mile. Yes. A Mike mile is not a mile. He goes, we're on top of this gravel pile. And he goes, oh, there's a caribou over there about a mile. <laughs> And there was one of those access roads for the pipeline that we were walking down. I think we were allowed to walk down it. We, you were allowed to walk down yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we walked down that road and we've been walking now for like 40 minutes. I'm like, I know I'm walking like an 18 minute mile pace, yeah. 20 minute mile pace. I'm like, looking at GPS, I'm like, we've gone a long ways. Yeah. And this carry's still kind of out there. Oh, I'm like, Really? I'm not even seeing it. I'm like, I trust you that it's there. I can't even see it through my glass. Just going through a stroll. And we, we get over. And uh, so at this point, I'm guessing we'd walk probably three and a half, four miles beyond the initial mile that I expected to walk. And uh, we come what I'll call parallel with where the caribou was. And we're looking at the, uh, the onyx. And we're like, there are two lakes. He's in between these two lakes. And these lakes are probably... 20 acre Jeez, like okay. 30 yeah. acre lakes yeah. they're not small and he's in between them so we have to either we come parallel so we either have to go to the right of the lake or to the left of the lake and so we come off that service road and instantly we're just in this much water Ugh. below the the tundra in, in your brand new not very waterproof <laughs> so i walked maybe a half mile through that and my feet started to blister up and just all kinds of stuff. I just took them off. Yeah. But the caribou is still out there. Oh, yeah. So you got to keep I going. I said, well, how's it? <laughs> These are thick socks. Let's try this. Let's see how this goes. The shoes off scenario. So about two miles later, we got to 200 yards of this caribou. And we've got him in this like little finger of land that goes out. So he's he he he's kind of stuck in this on this finger so we're yeah. like well maybe we'll just be able to walk right down and shoot him 
Yeah. No, he goes for a swim. Swims right across the lake. Jeez. So we, we laid down on the edge of the lake and we're just like, really? Like, we're like five miles from the truck. You have to walk around the lake again to get Ugh. out, like just through nastiness. <laughs> and then on the other side of the lake, we look over and we're like, there's people walking over there. And it was a wildlife photographer and his friend. Hmm. And they had this big old Canon, Nikon, whatever, wildlife lens. Yeah. And uh, they're taking pictures of this caribou and uh, pushes the caribou back to us. And we're like, oh my goodness, is he going to come right back across to where we are and we're going to get a chance to shoot him? He enters the water again at like 100 yards away from us. Yeah. And instead of coming across to where we were, there was another point on the other side of a bay that he starts to head over to. I'm like, oh shoot, maybe I can get there. So I sprinted probably five football fields around and I'm like completely gassed. Well, he's not stupid. He sees me running. Yeah. He goes right into the middle of the lake, equidistant from either bank and swims dead away from us. Jeez. And the other bank's like two miles away. Oh my God. Maybe not two miles, a mile at least. Yeah. I pretty much laid down in the tundra for a minute. <laughs> I was just like, I'm done. I'm not chasing this thing any further. We're going back to the truck. And oh, man, just ping-ponging this little caribou back and forth across the lake. Oh, it was lake. terrible. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? We're, we're laughing and like, oh, God. like what? there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. 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 So we, we start to head back for the truck and it's, it's like five miles away something like that four and a half miles and we had like the i'll call it the longest two and a quarter miles of my life to get back to that service road mm -hmm. every step was just this deep of water to this deep of water mm. so like i'm soaked to up past my knees i didn't even care yeah i i mean i was wearing i'm still wearing socks yeah and i swear the last like 400 yards from there to the road were just pure misery Ugh. like my legs were done my feet were done and it's cold yeah no at this point so this was this was monday things had warmed up probably 10 15 degrees okay. it wasn't warm so, yeah. it was still in the 50s okay but it wasn't 30s anymore yeah nasty. you're not breaking ice off your toes no no okay. no 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 no. my feet were cold but it wasn't bad copy um but we uh anyway we get back to the service road boots put back on and i had a bunch of kt tape and different things i taped my feet all up and we got back to the got back to the truck and i think i hammered like six donuts right there that we had bought back at the store <laughs> forget the I diet forget the diet and exercise plan i'm just like whatever we have back in the oh, truck that's quick sugars real quick just, just fuel in the tank like, like that is fine and then we walked over to the river and got loaded up with some water and some different things and just headed north and uh, or south i mean and uh and we got down into the first set of foothills and then we started seeing caribou. Okay, so like, and this okay. is on the tail end of Monday day? Yeah. Okay. Monday. Tuesday. 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 Tail end of Tuesday. Tail end of Tuesday. So Tuesday we picked up the truck. Monday was our hike out. Stayed that night, Monday night. And then Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday um, you had a Monday. Tuesday I had a Monday. Did a 12 mile loop in the tundra. <laughs> four, at least four of it in socks. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and, we we went back and 
this, there's there's hunting pressure off the highway. Okay. So it's like, okay, there's camps, there's a lot of people doing different things. Um, so we um, we saw a couple different caribou, but people were already kind of had parked and were putting, putting a stock on. So we just let it all be. Um, got our camp set, crashed that night, got up fairly early, uh, earlier than anybody else was out on the road. Okay. And that morning, so this is Wednesday morning, we're seeing, we were seeing a lot of, a lot of caribou, mm. but we were just looking for one that was far enough off the road and had a, a reasonable play for an archery stock. Sure. Cause this is not rifle now at this yeah. point. We're nowhere near. So we, we ended up, I think it was a fourth group of caribou we found. And these were, it would have been really hard to spot them from the road. They were across a knob and down back into a canyon. We just saw the tips of their antlers. Mm. We're like, okay, this is a play that we're, we're not gonna have to deal with hunting pressure, probably. And there was, you know, a, there was a creek and a, another little lake and different things we had to work with. So we're like, okay, we're gonna, we'll, we'll put a stock on them. And um, I, I was, with my feet blowing up on me from the day before, it was kind of all I could do. I'm like, we I really, I need to do something. I'm, I'm hoping today. Yeah. Cause I'm not sure I can do three or four more days of- Suffering like this. Yeah, yeah. and it, the muscles were fine. It was just, how beat up my feet got. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, you know, they'd just been wet for, at that point, five straight days. Yeah, it's like trench foot status oh, at that point. It was, yeah. it was rough. Yay. So, um, anyway, um, we get out probably a half mile, get eyes on these different, these caribou, and we decide the best thing we could do was cross this big open valley, and there was a creek in the bottom of it, because the caribou were coming up and crossing this face, so we were gonna cut them off on this other face. Mm -hmm. And so we get up that face only to discover that the caribou had decided to go right down the gut. Yeah. So we had, like, we were kind of stuck. We had overshot where they were going. Okay. So Mike froze and just said, hey, you're going to have to basically dump your pack, grab your bow, and crawl back down to that creek. And then hopefully you're going to have an opportunity to use that creek to put a stock on one of these animals. There was like seven in the original group we saw, and there was four that it showed back up. There was one huge bull. And unfortunately, he was one of the three that we have no idea where he went. Okay. But, <clears throat> so there was two younger bulls and two what I'd call mature bulls. And unfortunately, the two mature bulls, I guess there was three mature bulls and one younger bull. The two biggest mature bulls ended up feeding up over the ridge away from us. I think they knew we were there. They sure. knew some. Yeah, something was a little off, yeah. Um, the young bull and the like the middle-aged bull um, stayed down in the creek and they must have been really enjoying whatever they're eating because they were just happy as could be. Hmm. So I crawled through this creek bed probably, um, I don't know, it's so hard to tell. Like in the moment it feels like a really long ways. Yeah. Best guess is 250 yards, okay. something like that. Between crawling and just, you know, getting behind little shrubs and stuff and like bent over walking. And then <clears throat> I get to about 150 yards from the two bulls. And the bigger bull could sense something was kind of up. So he just kind of pushed up the draw a little bit and went up. And the younger bull was just enjoying what he was eating. So I'm like, well, I, I kind of was like, okay, Lord, like whatever bull sticks around, I guess is the one I'm going to try to shoot. Because yeah. archery hunters can't be that choosy, I yeah. guess. That's, that's what's going through my mind. I can. Yeah. And uh, I saw this little depression in the creek. And I'm like, if I can get over to my right, I can get into this depression and cut and cut the last like 30 yards 
and I was able to do that. And the depression was deep enough that I literally stood up to a full standing position. Oh, wow. First time I'd stood up in now like an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I threw the brush. I was able to get a range at 65 yards. Okay. I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to happen. And after seeing these caribou, you know, at a mile away and then at several hundred yards and then 65, that thing looked the size of a bus. Sure. I'm like, how could I? I'm not going to be able to miss this. <laughs> Mentally focused. <laughs> like, confidence like, through the roof. Like, you know, you're playing basketball and the rim looks like it's yeah, this big. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's where I was at. I mean, this thing looked, looked huge. <laughs> and uh, I mean, 65 yards is not, not, I mean, that's a shot. That's it's, a shot. It's a little bit of a shot. Yeah. And then. For me, that's a shot. Like, yeah. well, me too. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I, I was shooting, fortunately, a lot before I left. But he decided there was something really tasty, though, at 81 yards away from me. <laughs> Because right when I got an arrow knock, well, I guess I had an arrow knock, right when I got the release on the string and was getting ready to draw yeah. at 65, he squirts out to 81 and he's eating something, broadside. I'm like, mm. well, I didn't know it was 81 until I rearranged him, like 81. So I dialed 81 and I'm looking around I'm like, he's not going to come back closer. Yeah. I'm like, this is my chance. And I have no more cover really. So I was like, okay, this is going to have to happen. Yeah. So I drew and things felt solid. And I touched it off and I hit, he was quartering away, quartering away a little bit. I hit a little bit back um, and it, per, it was good elevation. And he ran off about a hundred yards or so and laid down. Um, <clears throat> we waited for what felt like forever because his head just stayed up. And that part, I wasn't a big fan of. Sure. You know, th that part about hunting. Some, some it gets a little gnarly sometimes. Yeah. But. Or did it, you run back to Mike or did you just stay focused on the caribou? How did that? So I started to like crawl up towards him because I'm like, he's laying there and I see Mike up on the hill doing this. Stop, stop. And it took him a couple times of playing charades for me to actually understand what he was saying because I kept going. Gotcha. And he got more enthusiastic about telling me to stop. And yeah, I finally understood just let it do its thing. Saying. So then he came down and we're sitting there about 150 yards away, 200 yards away. Yeah. And uh, after a period of time, he, he was doing just the whole like, just losing his sanity kind of movements yeah. and stuff. So then we walked up and his head was still up, but we walked up to like 55 yards and then I shot him a, a really good shot. And then it was done. Nice. Um, then we worked up, worked him up, got him all packed up. And then something really strange happened. We get him all worked up and we've been watching one of the bulls that had reappeared, one of the bigger bulls. Um, on this hillside while we were working him up. We're like, huh, that's interesting. You know, he's just over there eating. Then another bull showed up and they were kind of moving around. And all of a sudden the one bull just starts running around. I'm like, well, that's weird. We're just watching. At this point we had packs were pretty much loaded. Oh, no, we were ready to load packs. Hmm. Everything was done. We're watching and uh, I'll put this, I do have some video of this, which we'll be able to put up on here. Um, this bull starts running towards us. Like straight towards you? Yeah. We have no tags left. Like running straight, to straight <laughs> towards us. <clears throat> he covers from 800 yards down to 50 yards. That's insane. The whole way running from like plant to plant, just mowing different things. You can see he's slobbering. He's got like grass and different things hanging out of his mouth. We're like, what is going on? Yeah. Like this thing looks like he's lost his mind. He's like looking at us. He's looking up. Like he looked like he was like on drugs. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so he runs by us and uh, 
were like, well, we could have killed him easy. easy. Yeah. Like if either of us had tagged. Of course, he was a way bigger bull. <laughs> Always. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Why, why uh, wouldn't he be? And uh, so we get back. At that point, we loaded up. And it was a bit of a walk out. I don't know, a mile and a half or something out all the way back to the truck. Um, to the road was probably a mile. And it was it was fairly dry-ish, but it was the tussocks. So the, the tussocks, best way I can describe them is like you're walking and trying not to step on a bazillion basketballs. Because mm. when you step on them, you just slide right off. Wow, okay. So you kind of step in between them. And it's it, it's like each step is effort to like get it so hey. you're not. Yeah, yeah. Right there, yeah. It, it's annoying. So it, it, it was, uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, the, the weight really wasn't that bad walking out. But <clears throat> um, get out and uh, go back and pack up camp. And then when we get back into town that evening, we took the meat back to the walking cooler we had access to and got everything processed and whatnot for yeah. the flight and then got it all froze. And we're talking to some different local people there and we're describing what happened with this caribou. Yeah. And they're like, oh, red top mushrooms. The caribou was hallucinating. That's best we can figure from talking so to So he was locals. just cruising, taking like he magic mushrooms? He was just mushrooms. one mushroom to the next. So at a certain <laughs> point, I guess in the season or something, those red top mushrooms are a hallucinogen. Sure. If they eat enough of them, they just become super curious because they're like looping out, losing yeah. their mind like a hallucinogen. <laughs> so there as we can tell, he was just like, just kicking back mushroom after mushroom and got to the point where it really started to get to his head. And he's like, what's that across the canyon? Wonder what happened to Bob over there? He's in bags. Let's go check this out. That's wild. Like it was wild. Just have, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Caribou tripping out a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's insane. So, um, so that was day, I guess that was Wednesday and our flight wasn't until Friday. Okay. So we get back and um, we got uh, cleaned up and, you know, we're able to uh, get, I think we ate dinner back at the uh, the cafeteria, I'll call it. Yeah, yeah. And then we went back and found a place to, to crash for the night. And we decided that next day we were going to head up to the Brooks Ranch. Okay. Just to check it out. Yeah. Like, I, I'd never been, obviously never been to Alaska, but I wanted to see some of the, like, the rugged mountains that Alaska's known for. So we went up there and we went up to, uh, what's, I can't remember the name of the pass we went up to. Um, anyway, uh, I'm sure it'll come to me when it doesn't matter. No <clears throat> but we drove, I don't know, probably three hours south, three and a half hours, and then came back that night. Just did like a little tour drive. Yeah. You hike it all or just drive around and check stuff out? I was done hiking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stay with your feet. My, my, the blisters are screaming. Um, but, uh, on the way back, we stopped at uh, Happy Valley, which is a little airfield, mm -hmm. because um, Mike had spotted his buddy, his outfitter buddy's plane. Oh, very cool. So we stopped off there and got to meet some of the hunters that were coming back in, and um, ha so happened we had the truck, and he's like, hey, we've got a lot of gear. Do you mind hauling some gear you know, down for us? And they're like, well, actually, you know what? We're gonna have you haul all the caribou antlers. So they shoved like 20 caribou antlers in the back of our pickup. Oh, that's wild. And we drove back into town. I'm sure everybody who passed us or saw us pass were like, where what? were they? <laughs> what are they doing? We had nothing to do with it. We just happened to haul some antlers for the, <laughs> for the outfitter. Yeah, that had to look yeah. like a scene. That's crazy. It, it was pretty fun. I think I've got a picture of that we can throw up on the, but uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. And then we spent that, the rest of that evening, Thursday night, just repacking everything for the flight and hanging out with a couple of the guys who we met, you know, there in Prudhoe. Yeah. Didn't sleep much, it was fun. 
Um, That's and, really and, cool. Uh, the return trip, though, we had we had one more adventure. <laughs> so, with a wolf, it's an endangered species mm -hmm. federally, but yeah. each state can deregulate it. Yeah. So, uh, before it leaves the state, Fish and Game has to sign off on it. But there's no Fish and Game office in the sticks. Oh, sure. So, on our flight back through Anchorage, fortunately we had a big enough layover. Yeah. But we were super worried about being able to get it unchecked. So Mike, uh, I'm gonna try to carry this wolf on the plane. So in his carry-on, he had the wolf skull and the wolf hide. Oh, that is wild. He didn't make it. <laughs> they made him check it. <laughs> They're like, good sir, just step they over were, here, please. I was like, oh man, is he even gonna make it home? I wasn't even sure TSA funny. pulled him aside and the whole like, thing. What like, what are you doing? What do you have? And he tried to explain it. And fortunately it is Alaska, so it's not like the first time someone's probably tried to do that. Absolutely. They're like, so, I built it this no, last week. Yeah. No, you can't have that in the cabin. We're worried about <laughs> custom you know, other client or other customers on the airplane. Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> So he checked it just to Anchorage. Yeah. And then we hopped in a cab, got it unchecked, hopped in a cab, <clears throat> went back, went to Fish and Game, and they did what they call a seal, which is what you have to do. They tag the the, uh, the hide and they record the information, but it's the only way you can leave the state without becoming a felon, sure. basically. Yeah. <clears throat> so we did that and then got back to the airport, ate a bunch more food. Airport food is terrible. Well, mostly terrible, but Pizza's pizza. Yeah. <clears throat> Greasy, cheesy, delicious. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that was it. I mean, the, the rest of the flight home was pretty uneventful. Um, long day. I mean, I think we I think we took off at 8 a.m. and got back into Medford at like 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m., something like that. Wow. But, yeah. What an adventure. It was. From the wolf to the... The wolf was crazy. The wolf like, thing is wild just, to me. Yeah. That's, I mean... To be able to work them in from that far... Yeah, it was crazy, but I'm still I'm still tripping over the trip in Caribou. I think that's the funniest thing. It was it was the funniest thing that happened on the whole trip. That is so good. Was that Caribou? And of course, it's bigger than the one he shot five minutes earlier. Like three times as big. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. I mean, I was just stoked to be able to kill a caribou at all with my bow. Yeah, like that was awesome. So how how does it work bringing all the meat and the skull and all that stuff back? <clears throat> so. Um, we broke down the antlers and folded them over and just took the skull cap. I didn't really care about any mount, really. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the meat, we got it frozen solid in the, in the walk-in freezer there and just put it in a duffel bag and everything was in Ziploc bags. It had all been, you know, boned out and cleaned up and everything was sealed and put it in a couple couple different trash bags to make sure that if it did thaw some, yeah. it wouldn't get blood all over the sure. airplane. Yeah. Check luggage. Check luggage. Check luggage. Send it under there. Yep. Please don't get lost. Please don't lose this. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it, that's how we did it. And a lot of people do it that way. I think there are shipping services that you can pay people to do um, different things, but you gotta be super careful. It has to be an outfitter, I believe, to do the shipping. Mm. Uh, or uh, I don't remember, there, there was, we weren't gonna do it, so I didn't look into it that much Sure, further. but it has to be like somebody designated. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's, it's, it's shipping of wild game meat that's been harvested. Through yeah, the and there's all the legal protocols yeah, around that. Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So um, I gotta figure that out before I, I'm hoping to go back for a moose hunt in a couple of years. So I've definitely gotta figure it out because we're not, we're not checking a moose on the airplane. No, that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> but, and that was kind of my next question for you is like, after all of this, how quickly are you going back? If 
I would love to go next year again. <laughs> we would do a few things a little bit different. Yeah. But it was it was a rush. And it was some of the coolest country that, you know, you could you could ever ask to be in just because it's so different than anything in the lower forty eight. Sure. It's so grand, it's so big, it's so rugged. I mean there's there's def there's a, such an adventure aspect to it that it's um you know, there's areas in the lower forty eight, especially up, you know, whether it's the Rockies or up in some of the wilderness country that are I'll say equally beautiful. But there's something about this the remoteness of northern Alaska that is just out of this world feeling. So, yes, I would do it again. <laughs> in a heartbeat. With dry, I want to go now. With better boots. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, there, a lot happened yeah. on this trip. If you could pick two, what would be your biggest success from it? And what would have been, like, the biggest defeat or the biggest pain point from it all? I'd say the, if I summed up just a handful of simple victories, physical conditioning, huge yeah. victory. Okay. Um being mentally prepared that there was going to be parts that just straight were suffering was was a pretty big victory. Um, shooting my bow, having confidence to take an 81-yard shot. That's a poke. That's like... Was a huge yeah. victory. Um, and then just going in kind of with an open mind, like not fully knowing it was going to be an adventure, but not having certain expectations or things that were setting myself up for disappointment because mm -hmm. early on i could have been just really disappointed by the yeah, and gone caribou down, yeah but the attitude i had was oh my goodness look where i am look what i get to see I'll, i don't think everyone anyone's ever stepped there before in history yeah like, that's cool absolutely so, um yeah and then things i'd do different boots boot dryers Hand warmers, boot warmers. <laughs> creature comforts. Those are not creature comforts. <laughs> Survival mechanisms. <laughs> Those are, don't go insane. <laughs> but taking care of your feet, like once, oh, being able to, the foot care thing, like I had a lot of things to take care of my feet. I had different salves and, uh, you know, tapes and different things, but it doesn't matter if you can't get them dry. No, the, the wet feet thing, that's a, yeah. that, that'll kill you. Yeah, so that would be the biggest thing I'd do different. Um, Obviously, whatever your maximum effective range is with your rifle, actually having your data. Sure, have dope. Available without signal. <laughs> Huge deal. Um, probably being better prepared to be nimble when hunting caribou. Because just because they were there the year before doesn't mean they're going to be there this year. There were hundreds of caribou on that mountain last year that they were glassing. Wow. We went there this year and there was we found one. Yeah. So before we switch locations. <clears throat> so yeah, like being nimble, you know, having plan A through Z mm -hmm. and being ready to jump from plan A to B to C as a, needed. Yeah. Yeah, don't just get locked in. Um, you know, I think other things, uh, another victory going back to that was the food prep. Like I was super happy with how that went having a bag built for every single day. And you took everything out of like the factory packaging, right? Like you built your Not own Not on the system. peaks, but on like, I basically, um, so I jumped on the app I have for like tracking macros. Mm -hmm. And I just, I started playing with different combinations of food. And what I settled on was like this mix of like different nuts, especially macadamia nuts. Mm -hmm. Those are like superfood. Yeah. 
They're awesome. <laughs> They're really super food. Delicious. Super fog, super food. <laughs> but macadamia nuts, uh, a bunch of dried fruit, um, like fruit leathers and dried apricots. And um, then I, I would always have like a bag of fun food. So like trail mix with some chocolate and different things in it. Um, and then I'd have a couple of uh, freeze dried meals per day. So, I mean, it was, I think I came out 4,000 calories a day. Wow. At 2.2 pounds. That's yeah. That's huge. That's yeah, a, that, it was. That's big. It was. It was significant. Real food. I was not yeah. like starving. No, but you, I could have eaten more. Sure. But I had, I had plenty left in the tank, and the calorie front. Yeah. Um. So that was that was a huge victory. Um. But yeah, <laughs> number one thing, the feet, dry feet. Yeah. So when I got home, I bought new boots. Are those them? One of them. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> I bought boot dryers, yeah. backpacking boot dryers. So just a little fan that runs off your battery pack mm -hmm. that moves air through the boot. If you got a wood stove or heat source, you put it near there, or you can just throw like a heat, uh, a hand warmer in the boot. Just to help evaporate out. Correct. Yeah. Move the air out. Um, you know, those, that was the biggest thing. Um, the layering systems, all the Sitka, Kuyu, mix of gear and everything all worked great. And that, if you guys want to see what that was, go back to the Train to Hunt episode. We go through everything in Chris's layering system. Yeah, the only, the only thing I've added since I got back, um, well, first off, I love the Kutana pants from mm -hmm. Kuyu so much. I did buy another pair of those. Nice. They just had the Labor Day sale. Super, yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> Super lightweight pants, but tough. And uh, like I crawled through the tundra that day for however many hundreds of yards and totally fine. no rips no a little bit touch aware but like for a lightweight pant they were awesome um the only the only thing i added is i did get a pair of uh insulation layer pants i can pull over yeah versus just relying on long johns because uh, when you're sitting there glassing and the wind picks up i wanted a little bit little little, a little, more little warmer, especially yeah. for my idaho adventure i have in late october sure oh yeah it will be eight 8,000 feet or so, and I it'll be chilly. It could get very snowy, <laughs> a little bit cold. <clears throat> so, oh. um, but yeah, that's insane. I now want to go to Alaska, and so I think maybe like as a parting shot, if someone listens to this yeah. and gets all excited about doing their own DIY trip, mm -hmm. what would you know a handful of takeaways be for those people when they're looking into it for the first time? Well, I think I think the a certain amount of planning is essential. Like to have, it's it's hard to get vehicles lined up, transportation lined up, knowing where to get, you know, certain things like jet boil fuel you can't take on the airplane. Okay. Uh, you have to depend on them having it there or you have to ship it ahead of time to a friend or something. So, you know, I guess moral of the story, I guess somehow figure out a way to make a friend up there if you don't have a friend up there. <laughs> I don't know around. how to help you with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Find somebody who's nice. Yeah. Figure Apparently out. All of Alaskans are very nice, so that shouldn't be too Just hard. Just start calling people until you can make a friend. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, having somebody boots on the ground was absolute. Our trip would have been a failure without having Mike's friend there. And, uh, you know, we um, hopefully he thought it was a win, too, because we tried to hook him up with lots of food and whatever else he yeah. wanted and uh, we might even take him hunting one of these years because he doesn't hunt yet but kind of is interested in it so oh, that's really cool. he might yeah. even get to come hunt down here one time oh, that would be an awesome so, trade yeah. yeah it was it was pretty cool so um but uh, such nice people mm. across the board some of the nicest group of people um that i've been around a long time 
just the community of that that oil community up there yeah maybe that's what happens when you have to like survive <laughs> that weather all the time <laughs> you get kind of tight knit after that <laughs> well they say their record high up there was 81 degrees or 82 degrees like their all-time record high wow okay yeah. that's like right now <laughs> yeah and in the winter it's like negative 40 like scott was joking around he would he was still wearing like a sweatshirt and he would just put on gloves and a beanie when it's negative 40 and they're unloading airplanes i'm like you're crazy. Yeah, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, friggin' Michelin man outfit. Yes. But anyway, that was it. It was fun. It sounds incredible. Thank you for taking us through that. That's, yeah. that is quite, yeah, it's You'll wild. Have to join us. I, I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me know when. Sign me up, man. Danny, you ready to go film? Yes, please. <laughs> Come up with us, brother. Come up with us. Oh, uh, man. Well, yeah. awesome. So what's next? What's next? Uh, let's, let's start planning the next trip to Alaska. No, before that. It's September. I know. Yeah, it's bow, archery. bow season is it's coming up. archery elk yeah. season. Yeah, I'm trying to squeeze some in before the wedding. But you're going to... What, no, so what are your hunts coming up? Because we're, we're in September now. Yeah, so I'm taking a family trip. So my wife and kids and my buddy Jeff and his family, we're going over to Eastern Oregon, kind of near John Day. And we're, gonna, we're leaving next week okay. for a week. And we found some elk last in July when we went over there on a camping trip. So I'm kind of excited. I don't know what the hunting pressure is going to be like because I haven't hunted that unit in a number of years so that could really alter my plans but as of right now uh, I've got an area picked out that I knew there was elk coming and going from and I don't think they're going to move too far from that area yeah. based on the elevation contour we found them in and the water and the feed we found so uh, I'm excited and then also super excited to just spend some time in the woods with my son that's a big deal at almost six boy can bugle oh really yeah oh I didn't know he was doing that oh yeah that's exciting. That's for, really cool. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying not to be the dad who's like, hey, you want to go elk calling contest? But I might. <laughs> but I might end up well, doing it. <laughs> well. Like, hey, the kid's really good. Let's sign him up. But seriously, he's like really good. And I, I, I sent the video like to Dan and Mike, and I'm like, Dude, check this out. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's actually legit. That's awesome. It's not like just a kid playing around. Yeah. He sounds legit. Yeah. Well, because he sits there and he watches like Gritty and some of the other shows, like, because that's about all I watch on TV, really. Yeah. There's like a handful of hunting shows every now and then. Yeah. And he'll sit there and watch them with me. So he's listening to the elk bugling or the guy's bugling or whatever. And he just picked up my bugle tube with his voice, just started bugling. Wow. I'm like, yeah. That's awesome. Born for it. I guess so. That's really cool. So, that's really anyway. cool. And then what's the, what's the Idaho trip going to look like in October? So it's, it's rifle. Okay. Mule deer is the main focus of the trip, but we also have one cow elk tag. Mm -hmm. So there, I, I will imagine while we're glassing for mule deer, we'll find some elk and be able to do something with that. Yeah. Um, but it should be a pretty good hunt. We're going to be up in the in a wilderness area. Um, there'll be some road access, but I suspect we'll end up bivy camping, um, hopefully most of the time. Like we'll set a base camp, but then hopefully we're going to bivy out if the weather cooperates for two or three days at a time and then come back. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but that's going to be a glassing, heavy, steep, high elevation kind yeah. of hunt. So it's going to be fun. That'll be a cool mountain hunt. So, yeah. yeah, I've got so I've got archery tags this year. I'm in my archery season right now. So, <laughs> yeah, but you got you got really important things on. I have I have different priorities this year. I've got wedding plans coming up for October, so that's the main focus. Yeah. But I've got my cam set out. I've got a read on a couple different herds of elk moving through my area, yeah. which has been really cool to see. 
and then uh, it's congruent with the deer tag where I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. And I've also got buck, I think it's, depending on the unit that I'm hunting in, it can be a hair tag or a buck tag. Mm -hmm. But I do have a line on a couple different bucks moving through that area too. And mm -hmm. I've kind of got their movements figured out and I'm, work, I'm focusing on moon cycles and stuff like that. So the next couple weeks, Outside of work and wedding planning, I'm going to be weekend warrioring it for a little <laughs> bit, running out at three in the morning. And so those are all day trips? Mostly going to be day trips. I'll probably spend one weekend overnight for a couple of days, gotcha. something like that. But my my goal this year is if I can just really squeeze it in, bang one out. That's my mission. Will that happen? We will see. That'll be a future podcast episode. First legal animal. Yeah, exactly. First legal First animal. First legal animals going down. Make it tasty. Awesome. Yeah, but no, that's the plan for me this year. Um, and then duck season is right around the corner too. I'm a big waterfowler, so that's something I'm always looking forward to. But we'll have to talk more about that. Yeah. You're the bird man. I'm the bird guy. You're the wing shooter. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm, I'm stoked to get out in the woods with my bow. I've got that thing all dialed. Yeah. I've got the new, you know, the dial in sight all set up. So it's it's an up, I've got an upgrade from what I was hunting with last year. And it's it's already increased my like ethical lethal effectiveness at different yeah. ranges. So I'm pretty pumped. Awesome. I'm pretty stoked. Awesome. Yeah. Well, welcome back for today yeah exactly <laughs> cheers thanks for taking us through it absolutely thank you all for watching and listening again this is the land and blast podcast i'm sam terrell chris martin and look forward to seeing you guys next time <laughs>